everyone. Welcome to episode 31. Mm-hmm. We are going to be covering number 28 of the Her Interactive PC Games, Ghost of Thornton Hall. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. So much to talk about. There is. I mean. But so this one, this game was released on May 14th in 2013, which is very odd. Yeah, usually the spookier game. I feel like they would do like a danger, exciting game in the spring and then the spookier, scarier game in the fall. But mm-hmm. clearly I don't remember that correctly. That's all oh, right. Yeah, I thought I would, I could have, I would have sworn that this was a Halloween game, a Halloween release game. It would make sense given it that so it's the sense. scariest Nancy Drew game. Oh, I down. mean, it just it's just absolutely not debatable. It is just absolutely right. 100% the scariest Nancy Drew game. So I'm very excited to cover it for that reason. I am also very excited to cover it because it is very controversial. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that too. Yes. <laughs> um, but so apparently, Corey, this was based on the Nancy Drew Girl Detective number 10, Uncivil Acts. Okay. And I just have to say that based on the briefest of research that I have done about that book, that book focuses on a Civil War reenactment that takes place in River Heights. Hmm, that's very different from the game. I mean, well, well, relatively, well, the Civil War theme is there for sure, but not the reenactment. I mean, we'll ha- we'll definitely have to talk about this in context when we start talking about the contentious parts of this game, um, mm-hmm. because, like, I think when you just consider that, it makes the result of this game even more egregious. Um, yeah. Just thinking about the fact that this is literally the inspiration for this game was literally about a Civil War reenactment. But number two, I also just have to say, I'm sorry, why is there a Civil War reenactment in River Heights? <laughs> that yeah. brings into the whole location question of River Heights again. Because I think where we landed was um, Ohio, right? Or Illinois? Illinois. Somewhere somewhere in the Midwest. The, the Midwest. I would say Illinois probably, just because right, right, right. Chicago. Chicago right. and how often that's mentioned. But yeah, it doesn't really so make like, sense. So like, yeah, I'm sorry, what Civil War battle was happening in Illinois? Maybe I'm just <laughs> ignorant. Maybe there was one, but I just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem far enough south to me, but I don't know. I just looked, actually, and it looks like I have that one. Oh. So whenever we cover the, the Girl Detective series in the we future. we got to make a note. Make a note. Maybe we'll have to touch on that <laughs> for one. For yeah. sure. For sure. Okay, so three words, Corey. Plantation. Plantation. Yes. <laughs> haunted, right? Like, the haunted, most haunted. Yes. And then, you know, just, like, gross family or, like, uh what's a better word than gross <laughs> mm. there's gotta be something more succinct mm-hmm. than, yeah um i don't as i said it's just have such complicated feelings about it so i guess we could just say complicated it's complicated yeah. and that doesn't even touch on the missing person oh my gosh, side of the mystery which is what it we're there to solve <laughs> but really that's honestly although i guess it ties into the well, gross family and, and i will say that like 
the missing persons aspect is like the least relevant it's just kind of like that's that's <laughs> the you know the premise but like really does it matter Meh. you know so yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well then I think we should just get into it because I really want to talk about this and I have so much to say and so much of what I have to say depends on the plot and nothing that I can really summarize right out the gate. Uh, Just stuff that I feel like we just have to get into the nitty gritty of. Okay. Should we put a content warning on this one? Like, I feel like we're going to really get into nitty gritty. Yeah, probably. We probably should. Um, I'm not sure for what though yet, but probably... Civil war, racism, slavery, racism, incest. all of the above. It's very incest, um, yeah. I mean, like... Some very, very dark subject. Like, it's not just the scariest game. I would argue yeah. it's one of the darkest games as well. Like, we have some really, really upsetting themes in this. So just mm-hmm. get, get prepared for mm-hmm. that. I'd say, like, traumatic well. death also. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I hope you're excited for this um because that was quite um quite an introduction (laughs) well i feel like it's so negative i know know. okay well no i will okay i let's i'm gonna start out and say i really really enjoy playing this game you've said it's like one of your like top five favorites before right it is i think it is a really really excellent game i think it's a hundred percent problematic, and I think there could have been a lot more that they should have done. But like, when you play it, I don't think that you can hold it up against the rest of the Nancy Drew games and say that it is not one of their best games. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's my that's my overarching <laughs> summary of how I feel about it. Well, that sounds good. Well, we have an excellent start here. Do you want to start us off? Sure. Yes. So typically when we start in this kind of realm of the games, we start off at our center of operations. But now, instead of starting off at the center of operations, we're waking up in the middle of the night. Nancy is awoken by a phone call. She's all groggy and she wakes up and she answers it. And it's Savannah Woodham. We know Savannah from number 23, Shadow at the Water's Edge, um, which we haven't covered in regular Nancy Drew yet, but she has been a character in the PC games prior to this. Um, So she calls us because she has a case for us. Apparently a girl a little bit older than Nancy has been kidnapped. Um, Nancy asks if the police should be taking care of this. And I was just like, oh, Finally, uh, somebody said it. Nancy said it. Um, but um, Savannah said, um, there's only so much the police can do. Um, the call had actually come in for Savannah. Savannah was asked to investigate this, but she can't go because she says Thornton Hall is a dangerous place for her because of her work as a ghost hunter, because Savannah is a ghost hunter. She says that Jesslyn, who's the missing girl, needs someone who isn't afraid to go after her. Oh, and Savannah is afraid. Ah! (laughs) Can we talk about how uber frightening it is to hear about a professional ghost hunter being too scared to go somewhere because it's so haunted? Like, isn't this your job? to be fair. (laughs) Isn't this your job? I think Savannah's not great at her job. We'll have to talk about her later. But this was this was a theme in number twenty three mm. as well. It's just oh, I got too spooked and mm-hmm. I had to leave. Mm-hmm. And 
why why are you in this line of work if you don't like it i don't really understand but anyways it can't yeah 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 can't imagine it pays super well unless you're really good at it so what's the point yeah (laughs) she had enough to like hire an assistant like surely she's getting this Mm -hmm, work so mm -hmm. i don't know Seems like she does some like historical investigation. That's true. As well, That's true. She's also too, like but... an author, so maybe like she does more in her work in that context. But anyway, yeah. anyway, so Nancy's like, yeah, of course, sure, I'll go. I would love to. And Savannah tells her to drive to the airport where there will be a ticket waiting for her to get on a plane. And I just have to say that it's <laughs> in these kinds of moments where I just I am so freaking jealous of nancy drew and that like right. i want someone to call me wake me up in the middle of the night be like there's this haunt this super haunted place and you have to go right now i paid for your plane ticket go to the airport can you imagine what that would feel like Corey? oh the excitement the adrenaline yeah <laughs> and also not having responsibilities oh that you're like Oh, I can't because I have work tomorrow. Like, I would love that. (laughs) To be an 18-year-old unemployed detective. (laughs) Right. Drop of a hat. Let's go to Georgia. Okay. Oh, Oh. Anyway. So, we're dropped off on Blackrock Island by a ferryman. He doesn't get a name. His name is just Ferryman, which I just have Ferryman. Let me... Let me... Make sure I'm enunciating that. Ferry is in <laughs> F-E-R-R-Y as in, like, the boat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and that is super on the nose. I just think that that's hilarious, right? Like, a ferry man who mm-hmm. is, is taking us to Black Rock Island. It's very evocative of, like, you know, death. The river sticks, right? A ferry man. It's not the only ferry man that we have in the games. Mm-hmm. And the next one, it is mm-hmm. going to be, yeah, the exactly. river sticks. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, he asks us, are we sure we want to come here? And he tells us to watch ourselves around the Thorntons because they've earned their bad reputation. He specifically warns us of Wade and a quote unquote loony bin reject, which that's something we got to talk about later too. Um, (laughs) named Harper. Um, he also tells us, of course, to especially watch out for Charlotte because the island belongs to her now and has ever since the fire took her. (laughs) (laughs) So it's haunted. It's haunted AF. Uh, Are we getting the haunted vibes yet? Very, very haunted. Very haunted. But now we can kind of walk around the island. There is a like large stone wall surrounding the grounds of this property and big iron gates and okay so (laughs) if you guys have not heard of oak alley Mm. plantation stop right now google a picture of that this setting is based off of that plantation it's a real plantation in louisiana Um, if you look at a picture you'll be like yes that is thornton hall Um, so it's basically a really really long driveway leading up to this massive white mansion with the um, two-story porch with the big columns on the front of it and then um, do you know what kind of tree that is but i think it's because they're they're leafless right they don't have leaves on them at this particular point I think there's okay. leaves on the ground, so maybe okay. it's just fall, which is again is weird mm-hmm. if this is a game set in May, but whatever. So there's tree, big, massive. I guess since it's Oak Alley, there might just be oak trees, uh, but massive. But I would trees. also imagine they would be, they could be willow trees yeah, or something to that effect, something that kind of creeps over. But I, yeah, yeah. I don't. 
but basically massive trees lining the sides of this very long like walkway driveway place that it just you know all the way up to the house itself um, and then if you turn right there's another little gate there and that leads to the Thornton family cemetery um, so pretty big property here we can walk around um, so now we have two goals we're going to explore the island a little bit more find our way around and of course find Jessalyn our missing girl um, the game takes place over over the course of three nights, but it's always in the evening. We never see Thornton Hall like in the daytime. It's just like Nancy just wakes up after the um, at some points in the game, she'll stop and be like, oh, I'm so tired. You know, uh, it's I'm feeling kind of woozy. I should just go to bed at this point. And then we just get a, a cut scene where she's on the phone with Ned and Bess and she's telling them about the. The events of that day were basically they're just walking around looking for Jessalyn during the day. And then in the evening, she's doing her investigating. Yeah. So if we walk straight up to the house, we meet Colton, who is Jessalyn's fiance. Um, he gives us Jessalyn's cell phone that he found in the house, but it's dead. And the charger that he gives us has been like chewed up by something. Mm -hmm. So after finding like some of the right items, we are going to be able to jerry rig a charger and get it started charging. But not yet, but um, we ask about him and Jessalyn getting married soon and if her disappearance could be pre-wedding jitters. He does say that she might have had second thoughts about the wedding because everyone in the family apparently has second thoughts about the wedding. Mm, that's red flag. That is a big major <laughs> red flag, but okay, we don't know what that means. Um, but he does say that even if she did have second thoughts, she wouldn't disappear like this because she wouldn't want other people to worry about her. We do ask if he has had second thoughts, but he doesn't really give us a straight answer about that. It's very interesting. Later, we can ask more about his and Jessalyn's relationship. And basically, we learn that they were childhood best friends, but only started dating about a year ago when... Jessalyn's mother Clara apparently just told them to because quote unquote everyone knows you're going to get married so do it already yeah this is super odd um yeah super super weird he also does tell us that Jessalyn kept trying to tell him something about Clara um but she could like never get it out like she would get close to saying it but then she would just stop and change the subject Hmm. very strange also very interesting so it's at this point after talking to um colton i, I almost forget his name because i feel like he literally does not matter um after no, he doesn't <laughs> speaking to colton um we can move into the house and i just have to say that there are so many spooky things that happen in this game that it's like trying to even just like chronicle them is is a challenge. So just to kind of give you general vibes as to what to expect, here are several spooky things that do happen in the game. The porch swing moves by itself. Um, there is frequently a shadow that moves behind the window on just si the side of the front door. So like when you face it, you'll see it. Mm -hmm. I see it like every single time. Um, there's a shadow that passes by like that back door inside. Um, in the foyer, when you're facing the fireplace, we can watch as, like, help me is being scratched out. Like, we're watching it happen. It's not just help me written on the fireplace. We see help me being mm -hmm. scratched out by an invisible hand. Ah! Right. There's eerie singing. The statues in the graveyard move on their own. 
which is something we have to talk about mm -hmm. later as well. Oh, yeah. um, and obviously, of course, we will eventually see the ghost of Charlotte. So... <laughs> And I think that all these happenings are part of what makes it the scariest Nancy Drew game. Um, and some of these things, like, they're going to happen whenever you click on mm -hmm. them. Like, the porch swing, first time you click on it, it's going to swing. You can kind of expect that. And with some, like, of the past games, it's a little less random than this game is with its spooks. Like, with um, Castle Malloy, for example. Like, we know, like, the, the time that we go into Fiona's room to solve one of the puzzles, like, we're going to see the crow, we're going to hear the screeching, and then we're going to see the banshee, right? It's not exactly like that with this game. Like, the triggers are kind of random. You eventually, like, with Castle Malloy, eventually you've played it enough times, you start mm -hmm. to expect, like, when these are going to mm -hmm. happen not the case with this game it still spooks uh -huh. me up no matter how many times I like played sometimes this. it'll happen sometimes it won't happen and whenever it does it's always mm -hmm. always always a jump scare like it's always like <laughs> oh yeah a <laughs> moment there's sometimes where you're like oh nothing's gonna happen right now i just got spooked <laughs> like three times in the last 20 minutes and then it's like the worst one yet oh i also just have to say that this isn't technically a jump scare but freaks me out every freaking time I see it and I don't know why it's when you're in that back room the creepiest room which we'll have to talk about as well um where all the things are hanging from the <laughs> ceiling and you just turn and I never expect it but the the um like whatever sheet or cloth it's hanging there is just moving and it's probably just moving because it's an old drafty house oh, yeah. but like I'm like oh my god <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's that. So it's not only that there's just like these spooky shadows and creepy moving statues and stuff. It's also just like the vibe of this house makes you freak out at every small minor <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, and nowhere feels like mm -hmm. quote unquote safe. Well, I, I would say um, Shadow at the Water's Edge, which is actually the, the game that we know Savannah Woodham from. Scary. It, it's it's yeah. probably the second scariest game, I would say. But we still have some spaces that feel mm -hmm. safe. Like, just, just places that you could go where you know you're the not going to The convention center. Like the, <laughs> the bento stand, the convention center, yeah. the pachinko parlor. Here, absolutely well, nowhere is safe. Literally anywhere you could get a jump I have scare. Thoughts. I have thoughts is about this, that, that but we should talk about it later. <laughs> okay. Even like Nancy's like home base, her little sleeping bag, we get spooked there. Oh like, my three god! Or four times, so which... many times, so many yeah. times. That's almost like prime <laughs> spook space. Is where Nancy's sleeping. <laughs> if the graveyard is the least scary place <laughs> in the <laughs> in the game, you know it's mm -hmm. a scary game. Mm -hmm. But I digress. Yeah. Anyway, was that what you were gonna say? Is the least? Um, it's place definitely one of them, the but no, graveyard? no, that's not what I was gonna say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay well we will get there okay uh you want to take it sure uh okay so once we get inside the house um this place is pretty run down it's pretty like immediately clear to us that no one has lived in this house for a long time um, holes in the floor holes in the walls holes in the ceiling you can see daylight coming through the ceilings the the front there is like furniture and rugs and art hanging on the walls but it's all looking very dilapidated and just kind of gross with cobwebs on everything and just like rubble piled up in in the fireplace um so right when we walk into the front door of the house and we'll have to talk about the layout of this house a little bit later as well because it makes absolutely no sense because from the outside it looks symmetrical and then you're inside and it's definitely not symmetrical 
but whatever. So we walk it's in. Corey's it's a large. Pet peeve. <laughs> it's the biggest pet peeve. <laughs> the layout makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, and then like yeah, that back room where that big sheet is hanging. We can see out mm-hmm. exterior windows, and there shouldn't be exterior right. windows because there right. should be more house right. there. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. We can't see the back of the house. It could maybe. just be like sure. <laughs> Like one room wide in the front, and then in yeah. the back is just that little, just that little room. <laughs> but that there's no way to access to the left of the staircase yeah. except for that room back yeah. there, you know, which is weird. Yeah. But but anyway, so there's a large staircase right in front of us as we walk into the room, and then to the right there's a big double doors that leads into like I assume living room area, and then if you go behind the staircase to the left, there is that room you were talking about that's kind of. I don't know, utility room, industrial We might as well room. just call it There's... the scariest room in Thornton Hall because that's what it is. It's the, the scariest, scariest room, room in Thornton Hall. And if you've ever played it, you know what the room is. So it's that room. It's that room. <laughs> yeah. The stuff with the, the <laughs> stuff hanging down from the ceiling and the skin bag that's running around. And um, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to Mr. Skin Bags later. But um, so... <laughs> First thing we do is we turn to the right in that front room that I guess we'll call it the living room. Um, we find Clara Thornton, who is Jocelyn's mother. Uh, we ask her about Jocelyn's disappearance. She tells us that she came here with her friend Addison as sort of like a bachelorette party before the wedding. They just came here because they really like to spook themselves, or at least Jocelyn does. <laughs> we find out later Addison does not like the spooks as much, but she she went along for her friend because they, they just wanted to have fun, right? Uh, so Clara tells us, you, you know, you should try talking to Addison. Here's her phone number. See, see what kind of information you can get from her about when she last saw Jocelyn, right? She thinks that what happened to Jocelyn basically is that she was kidnapped for a ransom. She tells us that you wouldn't know it by looking at the state of this house, but we're a very wealthy family, and I'm just Uh shocked that no ransom note has shown up yet. Um, We'll talk about the family's wealth later. We will get there, I promise. She tells us that she feels like it's someone is trying to punish the Thornton family, so... She says, greed and tragedy has made this place crumble, and whoever took Jesse wanted the family to sit here in this broken-down old house to wait. Um, we do ask her about the cold feet before the wedding theory, and she says that Jessalyn absolutely would not do this to her family. She loves them too much to cause them to worry about her in this way, so she really doesn't want to entertain that as an option. Um, she says Jessalyn and Colton have definitely had their ups and downs as a couple, but they've worked through their issues Colton has especially had some issues on his end, especially with his family, but they've worked through them. She won't really elaborate on it any more than that, but whatever. Um, she, uh, Nancy asked her why the family isn't out there looking for Jessalyn, and Clara says that they have actually closed their company down for the day, and the entire staff is out combing the woods looking for Jessalyn, and the police said, um, you know, the family should stay put in the house because they're more likely to notice, one, if she comes back, or it, in case something is off, they would be more likely to notice. In the I'm house. sorry. <laughs> I immediately have to talk about this. Your daughter is missing! And you're not yeah. out looking for her? You're standing in this broken down living room, staring out the window, twitching every time this fly buzzes around your head. You're not on the phone. You're not trying to coordinate. You're just standing there. And also, and at first I thought, right. this lady has paid her staff to just 
to to go search for her daughter for her like i can't mm-hmm. i can't even describe to you how <laughs> how th- how much this incensed me but like i did mm-hmm. she does actually say that she's paying her staff regardless of whether or not they have volunteered for the search like they either get the day off or they can go search for jesslyn but she's apparently not doing that but <laughs> I feel like she mentioned that just to like make a point about how much everyone loves Jessalyn, that she's so beloved mm-hmm. that everyone in the whole company would rather spend their day looking for her, which is fine. But again, doesn't explain why Clara is also not out there helping and, and looking for her daughter. We also don't know how, like how long she's been missing right. at the point That's that Nancy arrives. So maybe she was out there earlier and she just came back to the house to to check again but you're right we see her just in this window Mm -hmm. the entire duration i mean my explanation is that she's just this awful unfeeling hag but you know (laughs) oh she's a terrible mother that's for sure terrible family member in general he likes her (laughs) not a one not a single one but we'll talk about that later too yes (laughs) um so, upon further exploration of this front living room, there we find a couple of books. Um, there's other stuff in the front room. There's a bunch of paintings and stuff. But the most notable things that we can look through here are these two books. There is one book on female spies in the Civil War. Um, and this is notable and because we learn throughout the course of this game, um, through reading this book, but also just from like other characters telling us stuff, that the Thorntons apparently got their start because their ancestor was was a spy during the Civil War and was gifted this land for services rendered. I have so many questions about this. This makes no sense to me. You're telling me that this house or this land didn't exist pre-Civil War? It did. It was a plantation previously. Okay. Um, Okay. But but was she a spy for the North or the South? She lived in the South and was feeding information to the North. But then how did the North gift her this land? During Reconstruction, the North um, took land from plantation owners and gave it either to freed people or to people who had like helped out wow. the North, who had fought for the Union. Um, okay. <laughs> not for long, though. Eventually, like a lot of the land ended up being given back to the original plantation owners, but that's a whole... Okay. Yeah. Well... Thank you for explaining that for me because I was so confused. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. So are we assuming that, because I had it in my head that she was a spy for the South. And so she was gifted this land during the Civil War. But then I was like, but then why is she living in the South? Or did she, was she given it afterwards? Was she relocated to the South? But, but that doesn't make any sense because the South lost the Civil War. So I was like, so, so confused. I think we're supposed to think of her as like a civil war hero. Oh, oh God. It's not like a lot of things in this story. It's not explained Mm -hmm. super well outright. You have to read a lot of subtext. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. So the second book that we find is one that doesn't have a title, but it does feature a chapter on the quote unquote, long cold night on Black Rock. Um, We learn that Jeb Thornton, Um, who lived from, I'm just giving this for some context, he lived from 1842 to 1887. He had a factory built on this island. That seems very short. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess so. He's, what, 40-something? 43? I have... The family tree says 1839 to 1901. Weird. Where did I get those dates from? Maybe that's when he wrote the Is diary? it a diary? Or whatever his... I mean, it's his... Maybe that was when... Or whatever. Maybe that was when the factory was in existence on the island. Oh, probably. Maybe you that's what, what yeah, it was. Anyway, so Jeb Thornton had a factory built on this island. But apparently, when it was hard to travel back to the mainland, and I'm going to say the quote-unquote workers, because they weren't workers, <laughs> um, but we'll get there, um, were granted permission, quote-unquote granted permission, to stay overnight in the factory. Then there's like this paragraph that's been blacked out by someone, um, and all that's left is a sentence that says, none survived. Um, we don't learn exactly what happened yet, but we do learn that Jeb built a housing unit for inclement weather um, afterwards, after this incident, and immediately restaffed the factory. So, apparently his wife, Sarah Wakeman Thornton, was very upset by these events, um, retired to her room afterwards, and refused to leave until her death just a few years later. And apparently she had written a note, this is just rumor, like a Thornton family-like legend, that said, we have sown the black seeds of death, and forevermore will harvest only blood. Oh, are we supposed to feel my sorry? My God. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a great question, Corey, are we? <laughs> um, but I bring that up because apparently this dichotomy has existed within the Thornton family to this day, where there are family members who like either have like a dogged determination and like, uh, you know, loyalty to the family company or have this queasiness with their ill-gotten wealth. At this point, we can call Addison. When we talk to her, she says that they visited Black Rock Island to search for ghosts and to blow off steam before the wedding. Um, they were doing a scavenger hunt, actually, around the property of Black Rock Island um, and were making recordings like they were on a ghost hunting show, which is kind of cute. But then things got really strange. Um, she says that there is a locked door upstairs that Jessalyn was absolutely desperate to get into. Um, and the whole night she seemed to be looking for something toward the end of the night. Um, and then at one point, Jessalyn just disappeared. Um, Addison heard her scream and couldn't find her. And she waited for hours until she finally returned. Um, but then when she did, when she did come back, she wouldn't tell Addison what happened. Like she was just kind of stoic and silent and was like, Mm, get away from me. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but then she says she was, they ended up going to sleep and she was laying there and couldn't really fall asleep, but then started feeling fuzzy. And then she looked over and noticed that Jessalyn was gone again. Um, and then she wanted to get up and look for her, but she was too scared. I think, well, no, I think it's a little bit different. She doesn't, she doesn't really say why, but she actually says, what she says is she couldn't move. Um, and I'm wondering if this okay. is not more physical than it was, um, like, uh, mm. you know, being frightened. Like, it, it kind of seemed to me okay. like she was trying to describe the feeling of being pinned down by something and, like, being unable to move because of that. But... Mm. Okay. That's all that tracks. <laughs> it sounds familiar now. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, she also tells us that she heard a strange voice that she thinks was Charlotte singing, and the next thing she remembers, it was the morning, and she was alone, and Jessalyn was gone. Can we talk about how traumatic this would be? Like, Corey, if I went off to, like, an island with you to do mm-hmm. spooky ghost hunting, investigating things, and then you just, like, disappeared and, like, never showed up again, I would be... I wouldn't do well, that, yeah, first of all. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but... But I would, I would, I would be changed forever. (laughs) Even if eventually you came back and like everything was fine and cool and dandy, it would be, it would be so scarring. (laughs) Poor Addison is all I have to say. (laughs) Addison deserved better in all this, and we'll talk about. It's a shitty friend. I think Jessalyn. But ding ding ding. Yeah, 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 for sure. Think she could have handled this better. Um. So if we keep exploring the house, oh, so this is where I was going to talk about this back room on the first floor. So after we call Jesslyn, we can uh, we can keep looking around. And back in that room, uh, it's just the most terrifying room ever. There are things hanging from the ceiling, like equipment and chains and like scraps of fabric. Which why? Like why <laughs> is there just crap hanging from the ceiling? I don't know. Um, there's also a cotton gin in here. And there are these doors on the back of the wall from apparently the barn that had originally housed the cotton processing equipment. And there's a plaque on this door that says, many a worker lost their fingers in the processing room. So, I'm sorry. Why have we hung these on the wall in here? Why have we taken these from the barn that they were on where many a worker lost their fingers and put it here and put a plaque on it that says that right what the fuck (laughs) um so troubling but anyway we can't open those doors yet um eventually we won't be able to uh we can try to open them but a scythe will fall down and decapitate us if we try too hard um if we keep exploring upstairs we'll find more paintings of thorntons on the wall um we'll find some sleeping bags from where it looks like uh, Jessalyn and Addison were sleeping. And of course we find the locked door that Addison was talking about earlier on the grounds. We find a list from the scavenger hunt, which helps us to understand kind of more of Jessalyn and Addison's movements that night. There are some things that are crossed off that can kind of tell us where they have been. Um, And we can also explore the Thornton family cemetery. I mean, just like yikes. That's all I have to say about the (laughs) Thorn family cemetery. Like, big yikes. Um, Immediately upon walking in, we are shouted at by a man who I can only describe as looking like a a main character from the TV show Supernatural. He's wearing... (laughs) (gasps) You're right. He's wearing, like, this fur-lined coat. Um, He has a grumpy southern accent. Um, he's like gruff wearing like these big boots and stuff. He's like so a supernatural character that it's not even funny. <laughs> Love it. Um, he confronts us and he says, you're not Savannah. Um, and so we learn that this is Wade. This is the same person that the fairy man has warned us about. Um, so that's good to know. Um, but he explains that, uh, or we explain that we're here on behalf of Savannah because apparently Savannah is scared of the ghosts, which is like, okay, you're a ghost hunter again. Um, but Wade says, oh, no, 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 that was just an excuse. Uh, 
the real reason why Savannah isn't here is because she's scared <laughs> of seeing me. Um, he's pretty tight-lipped about their relationship, but it's pretty clear that they have been romantically involved in the past. He does tell us that there is a package that has been sent for us up in the house. He is also really into ghost hunting. That is like Wade's thing. Um, so he also says a lot of spooky stuff to us about ghosts and we can listen to like recordings of quote unquote ghostly sounds he has found while uh, ghost hunting if we go up and talk to him. Um, but some of the most notable non-ghosty things he tells us is that he calls Colton a shifty little punk um, and says something is crooked about uh, his and Jesslyn's relationship. Interesting. More interesting information mm. for us to collate um, in our brains. He also doesn't think it's fair that Clara, his cousin, runs the company, but he absolutely would not want to run the company himself. He does say that the only reason he is here is because Jessalyn is missing, and of course he cares about Jessalyn, um, but he will not. He refuses to step foot in the house. So throughout the graveyard, obviously there are a bunch of headstones, and whenever we approach one, Wade will tell us about who is buried there. And there is just so much drama surrounding all of the Thornton family members that I really don't have time to cover it all. But I think some of the um, most notable things that Wade tells us um, is that Clara doesn't know who her father is. Apparently, her mother would never say and took that secret to her deathbed or to her grave. I should say she didn't take it to her deathbed. She died. She never told anybody. <laughs> Um, we right. also learned that there's a headstone for someone named Harper, who is also Wade's cousin, but Harper's not dead. <laughs> she ran away. Maybe I find this very questionable. Um, she quote unquote ran away and was gone so long that they thought she had died. And when she came back, where was the search party we for have, Harper? I have so much to say about Harper. So much to say about Harper. Mm -hmm. uh, when she came back, she never told anybody where she was. And her grandfather was so mad about this, he left the headstone there to remind her of what she put them through. That is, your daughter was missing! <laughs> your daughter was gone! Even if she ran away! Shh! Grandfather, Oh, sorry, yes. Your granddaughter was missing! <laughs> Like, even if she had run away, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to get too much into Harper because I have a lot to say about Harper, as I said, but if someone, even if someone has run away, they're not telling you where they were. They're not telling you why they ran away. They could have been in serious danger. They could have gone through some serious crap out there. And you're like, what you put us through? Right. What you put us through? Right. I just can't. I just can't. These Thorntons, man, are pieces of shit <laughs> right anyway so uh we can also find so there's a painting upstairs that if we uncover a little smudge uh, uh spot on we see some hidden gravestones um one that says 54 souls so we can find these in the graveyard um we can ask wade about these and he says that in their first factory they never had sleeping arrangements for the quote-unquote workers and that one uh, winter, there was a harsh cold snap. So the workers built large fires inside that created fumes. And then none of them ever woke up. 
So here we're getting what really happened um, from that chapter that we read earlier in the book, uh, or in the book that we found in the living room. We learn that uh, all of the people who were inside of this factory built fires because they didn't have proper sleeping conditions, sleeping arrangements where they could stay warm. And as a result of that, they, I suppose, all got carbon monoxide poisoning and never woke up from their sleep. Uh, there's so much to say about that that I feel like we got to save it, that I can't even get into it now. Um, we also learned that Wade went to prison. <laughs> so this is probably yeah. why the ferryman had warned us about Wade, um, because he has a little bit of a history with the law. Um, he says the reason why he went to prison was because he heard that the Thornton processing plant in town was, I'm going to use so many quote unquotes in this episode, it should be like a freaking tagline, because I, yep. I have issues with issues and so many questions about the things that everybody says in this game. Um, but so he says he heard that the processing plant in town was quote unquote, up to its old tricks by hiring people who couldn't afford to quit treating them poorly and locking mm -hmm. them into the factory to meet quotas. Um, yep. So um, Wade went into the factory at night or went to the factory at night and then clearly saw that all of the exits had been padlocked, confirming that this is the case. This is what's happening. Um, and he was so upset and angry that he broke into the factory and broke one of their big machines. And Clara had him arrested because Clara is the one who is in charge of the company yep. at this time. Uh, the one responsible for this and one would assume knowledge of this and uh, maybe even directed someone to do this. <sighs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I, I, there, there's literally so many things to say that it's like halting in my voice because I don't know what to say to say first about this. Um, so we'll talk about it later. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so we, after we talk to Wade, we go back to Thornton Hall. Um, and he mentions that Savannah had sent us a package. So we go upstairs, we find the package. Um, inside the box, there is an EMF detector for hunting ghosts. <laughs> um, and then also a book that she's written about Thornton Hall. We flip through the book really quickly, and we see that it has stories from people who claim to have seen the ghost of Charlotte. Some were like teenagers right after like Charlotte died, and they came just because they heard ghost stories about her in town and they wanted to try to see her other people were like they'd actually known her in real life and then saw her after she died you know just a few different ghost sighting accounts um and then after we read the book we put it down we turn look down the hall and we see our very first charlotte sighting <laughs> this is a fully formed apparition walking towards us she's wearing a like a 19th century red ball gown with a black like masquerade mask and as she gets closer to us she kind of like slowly disappears and then dissipates she never actually like gets to us we just see her walking i want to say we also hear music mm -hmm. as well yeah yeah it's just it's just all very spooky mm -hmm. um so we go downstairs yes <laughs> we go downstairs and we can tell clara what we saw and she is really not open to discussing this strange thing that she 
we think or that she thinks that we think we saw. Uh, but she does tell us that, that locked room that's upstairs is Charlotte's old bedroom. Um, apparently the day after Charlotte's funeral or the day of Charlotte's funeral, the door locked itself tight uh, and no one has ever been able to open it since then. Spooky. Um, she also tells us, uh, we ask her about Wade and whether he really went to prison, if she really sent him there, and she says that she, actually, she meant well by pressing charges against, against Wade. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Whatever. This woman. <laughs> She's... She says that she had intended to drop the charges. Actually, I think I wrote this down. Was bullshit? It. Yeah, she because says... Because it smacks of bullshit. She says that she meant to drop the charges, that she thought that he was only going to get community service, but she couldn't drop the drop the charges, quote unquote, once the ball got rolling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she just got distracted and forgot, or she thought that she could use her family's influence to like get the judge or the police to just get him community service or let him off easy. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to imply. Well, and also just the thought that like, oh, I'm going to press charges now, but I'm going to drop them later is like, okay, thanks for wasting all of these taxpayer, all this taxpayer money. Right. To Rich what? bitch. Teach, Sorry. Teach him a <laughs> like the presumption. Wow. No, and she, what she says is that he got in front of a judge that wanted to make an example. And it's like, an example. I, well, but also, if you were going to drop the charges, like, that probably would have happened before he saw a judge. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, mm, that doesn't really ring true to me, but, you know, yeah. whatever. But, yeah, he got in front of the judge, gets sentenced to prison for one year, um, and she says that she thinks that maybe he took Jessalyn in order to get back at her for doing this to him. Oh. Um, but she doesn't want to think, she doesn't want to go there mentally. Like, the oh, audacity! I think that he would do that. The audacity of this bitch, Corey! I know, we can, I know. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't move forward without talking about this. So we confront her for her awful wrongdoing, basically. I mean, we don't, we don't even discuss the fact that she had locked workers into a factory overnight um you know to meet quotas or whatever but we're like hey you sent your family member to jail because they were upset at something you had done um right and she was like oh but you know maybe wade is responsible for taking jesslyn this screams narcissistic personality disorder Oh, yeah. I just, like, <laughs> I cannot, like, oh, no, but really, I'm the victim because my daughter is missing. I, I, I can't. Right. I can't. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Absolutely. Um, we do also ask Claire about Charlotte, and she tells us that Charlotte was her cousin. Um, Charlotte actually died here when she was 21 years old. Apparently, Clara's mother was of the mindset that Thorntons who died only had a short time to make their peace, and if they weren't able to, they would slip into the cracks of the world and join the others, the quote-unquote hungry shadows, from an accident that happened on the island. And so they're going to haunt this island forever, right? Mm. Uh, and then we go back out into the hallway and hear some creepy singing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Nancy says this creepy singing sounds like it's coming from upstairs. So if we go upstairs, we can find a note that's been left for Nancy that says Charlotte has requested a meeting. 
um, and asks us to wear a blindfold and recite a rhyme with a dreadful meter where the meter is at its peak. So basically, we have to go to the spot in the house where the EMF reading is at its highest. Turns out it's right in front of the doors of the creepy equipment room with the plaque commemorating the loss of limbs. Fingers. The, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, go figure, right? Who would know? Who who could guess that this was the most haunted spot in the house? Um, so we do that, um, put on a blindfold, and we recite the poem that Wade told us earlier, which is the poem that kids would uh, recite when they came to the island to try to see the ghost of Charlotte. And that is fire so red, night so black, dear sweet Charlotte, please come back. So we have some choices no. when we go. It's chilling. It is very chilling. Um, but we have different choices when we go and stand there. We have a couple other things we can say. And I just want to say them the choices because they are hilarious, like prime comedy. Yeah. Um, the first one is Roses are red, ghosts aren't real. Come on, Thorntons, what's your deal? <laughs> and then the second one is the fire is warm, the night is cold. I can't see through this blindfold. <laughs> so funny. Excellent. Um, but anyway, once we recite the correct rhyme, uh, we hear the door in front of us open and someone starts to pull us through this doorway. Um, they talk to us in like a raspy southern voice. And eventually, once we've reached this destination, wherever they've taken us, they let us take off the blindfold. And we see, we meet for the first time, my favorite character in this um, in this game, Harper. Harper Thornton. Possibly Honestly. one of the best characters so in the great. series. So great. She might be in the top ten overall. Yeah. And we also, if we look around and from what Harper tells us, we can gather that we are in the cellar. We are underneath Thornton House. Which, again, with the layout, <laughs> we don't go downstairs. It's just a long dirt hallway. It's a great... Great point. There's no stairs. It's not even a particularly like inclined highway. Uh, highway hallway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it doesn't. Sorry. Anyway, no, that's a great. That's a great point. Um, so Harper tells us that she is hiding under the house because she doesn't want the family to find her. Um, but it's really important to kind of say that Harper is definitely odd. Um, she tends to ramble about things that aren't obviously related. She tells us that she is a quote unquote sociopath with delusions of grandeur and a history of erratic behavior and violent tendencies. And from the way that she speaks about her family and just her mannerisms and overall demeanor, um, it doesn't sound untrue. <laughs> um, we could, I could, there's definitely a vibe given off that we're supposed to believe that Harper is crazy. Um, and she definitely leans into this um, perception of herself. Well, I think she has an excellent sense of definitely. humor. Definitely. Because I think that a lot of things she says about herself is just kind of ragging on her family members for how poorly they've treated her. Like, yeah, I might be a sociopath with delusions of grandeur, but they made me mm -hmm. this way. This mm -hmm. is, you know, this is like... Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm this spooky, scary Harper. Look at me. I'm so harmful. Just chilling in the basement by myself. Cellar, no, whatever. absolutely. And I think it's so important to like, as someone like... If 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 you're being vilified by like your entire family... The only way, not the only way, but like one of a great way to like 
reclaim that is like, yeah, great. I'm the villain. Let's be the fucking yep, villain. That's me. You know what I mean? Oh, and it just <laughs> you want a villain. You love her. Harper like... <laughs> so so much, so so much. Anyway. Yes. Um, so she also tells us that her family resents her and the neighborhood kids used to call her witch lady, which perfect perfection. Um, she also tells us that we better not tell anyone she's down here or she'll just, she knows she'll just do something rotten. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, she does give us a note that contains a puzzle to be able to find her again um, and then kicks us out of the cellar. So we're unable to go back um, until uh, we solve this and figure out how to get back down there. Um, but once we are, um, which it does involve some puzzling, um, we can open the door and explore under the house. There are a bunch of luckily well-lit tunnels. <laughs> and Corey, this is what I was going to say is the least creepy part of the house. Underneath the house. Oh, The yeah. basement. Yeah. yeah. And specifically the tunnels in the basement are not creepy at all. They're actually quite well kept. They're not dirty. There's like no really cobwebs or anything. They're well lit. Like yeah. everything seems to work down here. Like point. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're in a cellar. And so we're kind of expecting a certain level of cellarness, but like, it seems kind of like a normal room to me, much more normal than the haunted AF locations upstairs. So I like to call best from in the hallway because I don't exactly. feel like exactly sneak up exactly. on you there. Up upstairs, like Charlotte's going to sneak up on me as soon as I'm done with that call. And I know it. And, and isn't it, it interesting it, so. that the least haunted space in this house is the space where Harper resides. Mm. I want to talk about this later. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Although we do see a little bit of haunt. I wouldn't call it a haunting, but we see something in the basement. When you go down there and all of a sudden it's like people walking around there. Oh, and oh that's what that is. I never, yeah. I never mm-hmm. understood yeah. that, 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 that sequence, but that, okay. Interesting. 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 Yeah, anyway, so down in the tunnels, um, we can find a few things. Most importantly, Jesslyn's backpack, we find. Yes. Inside Jesslyn's backpack, we find a cocoa Kringle bar, which Nancy promptly eats. Um, way to yes. go, Nancy. Um, you know, priorities. Um, we also find some notes about the wedding, um, that seem to have been written by Jesslyn and then annotated by Colton. So almost as if she has passed off these notes to Colton and he has returned them with his own comments, Mm -hmm. um, and a Thornton family tree, the most informative document that we'll find throughout this entire game. (laughs) Yes, that we will a lot of yes be able to frequently reference to be like wait who was that and when was this and how are these people related <laughs> um also when exploring we find obviously harper again harper is huddling next to the furnace uh down here and we can talk to her more and learn some very disturbing things including Um, That her family had her committed when she was young, and now she seems to be unhoused. She doesn't seem to have a place to live. 
It's also worth noting, too, that if we ask Clara about this later, she denies this, that Harper was committed and says that Harper just went to boarding school. But my question is, how would Clara know this? Because Clara wasn't the one who sent her off. It was, you know, Harper's parents, right? Presumably, or Harper's grandparents, maybe. So Clara wouldn't have known. It's not super clear, because Harper would have been, how much younger was she than Charlotte? Um, A few years, but not many. She was three years younger, so she would have been 18. When she died. When Charlotte died. So, and she, like, quote-unquote, went crazy after Charlotte Uh died. Or that's when, like, most of her trouble started. So you don't start boarding school at 18. I don't get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I have to I have to mention the quote because it's it's so funny what Harper, uh, Harper says about this when Nancy goes like, "Oh, Clara says you didn't go to an asylum; it was a boarding school." And she's like, "Oh, a, a boarding school, huh?" Next, she's gonna say that Wade spent a year at Camp Mandatory or <laughs> Harper is so hilarious. Harper. She's so yes. funny. She's almost the only character worth talking to in this whole game. Um. Wade's Wade's not bad, but Harper's mm. obviously the best. He's not great. I don't love Wade, but at least he like doesn't have a black true, heart. Like true, at least he's a human being of <laughs> feeling. You know, not like an automaton. Yes, exactly. Um. Yes. Yeah. No, but so my thought is like also Harper was supposed to have run away, right? We from the tombstone story, right? She ran away. Right. So when was that? And, you know, like, I, I'm just yeah. interested about the timeline of Harper. But, but anyway. Yeah. After leaving the cellar, we find that Jesslyn's phone has finally charged enough to where we can look at it. This takes the longest time in the game. And, like, always, <laughs> like, going back to the phone to see, is it charged yet? Is it charged yet? Is it charged yet? Um, finally, after getting back into the cellar, we're able to look at it. We do have to solve a puzzle, the epitaph hunt, to be able to get the password to open this phone. But once we do, um, we can find all of the voice recordings that Jesslyn and Addison made that night. Um, They are very interesting to listen to. They are super spooky. Um, And we learned that uh, they looked for the ruins where Charlotte died. And they also must have gotten into the crypt in the graveyard at some point. We can also hear the period where Jesslyn disappeared and then came back. Um, And it's just a very interesting exchange because when she returns, you can just tell like how terrified Addison is of like her having been missing. And she's like pleading with Jesslyn to tell her what's happened, where she's been, what is going on. Um, And Jesslyn only responds with silence and like a very sharp, leave me alone now, which is like, what a way to speak to your friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very harsh. Yeah. Um, So there was also a key in Jesslyn's backpack and we can go upstairs and try that on Charlotte's door. But as soon as we turn down that hallway, um, we hear like very spooky singing and we see that the door to Charlotte's room, which has always been shut and locked, is suddenly standing open. Um, But then as it as the singing kind of goes on and progressive, suddenly the door slams shut. Um, 
and everything just kind of then goes back to normal. Mm. Um, and then when we go up to try the door, the door is still locked, which is like, we just saw the door standing open. How is this door locked now? What did we see? Um, but we can use the key on the door, but, and it spins like it fits in the lock, but it must be broken because it won't open. Uh, so at this point, we we really can't progress in the game until we've told someone that we found Harper down in the basement. Um, so we go and tell, you can either tell Clara or Wade, but eventually like both of them will go check. And when, when we get down there, Harper's nowhere to be found. Um, and Clara kind of insinuates that we made this up, that we imagined it or we were lying for some reason. Um, she's like, quit lying to me, leave me alone. I'm I'm a grieving mother or some some weird stuff. But um, after the, eventually um, we do go back in upstairs. We hear the singing again. We find another note has been left for us upstairs. This helps us get into a secret tunnel in the basement. So if you go through the cellar, you you solve a puzzle and it opens up like a secret passageway in a basement that leads to underneath the porch, the front porch of the house. Once we get up there, we can overhear Colton is actually on the phone talking to someone named Lexi. Very interesting little conversation. He's like, you know, we can talk once this is mm -hmm. all over. It's just kind of a vague conversation. But um, also down, down in this little area underneath the porch, we find Jessalyn's digital mm. camera. Um, we flip through the pictures and we see some we see some images of some previously unreachable locations. So this kind of like unlocks them in the game for us and we can go explore those spots. Um, and then we also find she's taken a picture of a spot underneath the porch that we can zoom in on it and we have a little shovel and we can dig it up and we find a box that is locked and it's got this like fancy seal on it, uh, but we can't open it just yet. Um, and this is actually where Nancy starts to get feeling a little bit woozy and she's like, oh man, maybe I just need to go lie down. Um, and that kind of triggers the end of the first evening. And then we'll, when we wake up, it's like the next night, it's the start of the next evening. Um, we're on the phone with Bess and Ned is actually a phone character in this one as well. We're talking to them and she's like, oh wait guys, I, I have to go by, I see something. So we hang up with them and then um, there is another note left for us on that little table um, upstairs in the hallway where we keep finding mm -hmm. these notes so after you know having been under the porch and overhearing this conversation when we go to leave the house um we hear colton talking to lexi again this is where he says uh i know you still care about me and i want to see you when this is all over and all kinds of stuff so we're like okay colton has a thing with this lexi person so when we confront Colton mm -hmm. about this, he straight up tells us that he is in love with Lexi and his engagement to Jesslyn was based on a lie and that it's a lie that their whole family was in on. <laughs> what? Yikes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Okay. Um, this is getting interesting now. Very interesting. <laughs> so apparently Lexi had broken up with him out of the blue a while ago. And as soon as that happened, this is kind of when Clara started pushing him and Jessalyn together. Mm -hmm. um, but now he knows that actually his parents pushed Lexi to break up with him. Um, and so 
basically him and Jesslyn's relationship was just like all this orchestrated um, situation by his parents and Clara. Wild. Um, Yeah. He does tell us he doesn't have anything to do with Jesslyn being missing, but it's very interesting because, you know, kind of regardless, he would stand to benefit quite a bit if the wedding was called off. He also does imply yeah. that Jessalyn must have known about this, too. Like, it couldn't have just been Clara. Like, Jessalyn had to have been in on this plan as well. Um, and one could also see how he might harbor some serious resentment and anger towards Jessalyn if that were the case. Um, so, he says he's innocent, but... Is he? Who knows? They all say Who knows? So, yes. Yeah, so also on the digital camera, we had some pictures and there was a picture of the ruins where apparently Charlotte died. So now we can go find those. Um, and when we get there, we see that it's like this old rundown house, which I find this very interesting and kind of confusing. It's like this. Why is there a second house? Yes. Why is there a second house? And it's also a house that like, doesn't look anything like the style of the no. you know main house so it's almost like it's not like it's an out like an outbuilding or something like that or you know it's like a fully like suburban almost <laughs> like yeah. house i mean it's it's run down and clearly it's been burnt to a crisp but it is very strange when we go inside this house, we see Charlotte again. She's again in that creepy red dress. She's going down the spiral staircase that's in the center of this house um, that has collapsed, but she is moving down them. Um, and there's also some more creepy singing. Um, as soon as she disappears um, in the house, we can find an old film reel and finally the key to the crypt, which, are, which I've been trying to get into for so long at this point. Right. <laughs> if we go straight to the crypt, we are greeted by Harper popping out of a grate in the ground <laughs> of the crypt. Quite the entrance. So terrifying. First, it's like, oh, my God. You expect nothing less of Harper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Zombie. Um, no, it's just Harper trying to spook us. Yeah. She's not happy with us for telling her. Not at all. She's super annoyed. And she really won't even let us explore the crypt while she's there. So basically, we have no other choice but to leave and go do something else. Um, But since we have this film reel, we can watch that now. Um, And we see footage of Charlotte's birthday party. Oof. Um, This is, it's like happy footage of like a cake and presents and everything, but it's also interspersed with what I can only call like creepy zoomed in footage of the ruined wall of the house. So it's very confusing Um, because it's like, how was this filmed? What are we watching? Because it's very clearly from back when Charlotte died, but also somehow present day. Mm-hmm. Very strange. As we uh, watch this, I didn't, I didn't make a note of this, but Clara actually walks in um, and is so upset by what we're watching and tells us to turn it off. And um, yeah. yeah, so mm, yikes. Yeah. 
Um, so clearly the footage was trying to show us something about this ruined wall. So if we go back to the ruins and look at that house again, we get another <laughs> Charlotte sighting. Um, but this time we see her and there is like ash and smoke in the air and she walks towards us, but she's like almost moving in a very like odd contorted way that looks kind of painful. Yeah. And then she burns up and disappears. It's, it's the most disturbing uh, Charlotte sighting uh, I think throughout the whole game. Yeah. So uh, we get it, we get it in little bitty pieces, but essentially the story is that on her 21st birthday, something happened right before the party was going to start. The building that Charlotte was in caught fire and she died yeah. in the fire, um, which is this ruin. Right, 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 right. Yes. After we see this uh, vision of Charlotte, Nancy passes out, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. which <laughs> is like, yeah. I'd probably pass out too. Um, from that, yep. um, this time though, she wakes up exactly where she passed out. She's not in some other random location. She hasn't been moved. She just wakes up yeah. um, where she fell on the ground, still in the ruined house. And if we walk back up to that back wall that the footage was kind of highlighting, we uh, see a clue to a pr- puzzle in the crypt. It's just like something about, I think it's the flower one or something. It tells us, yeah. There's there's a few different puzzles in the crypt and you have to, it's a tanagram puzzle. You have to put them together and then you can open right. the coffin. Right, right, right. Because this isn't creepy <laughs> enough. We have course. to open the coffin. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, in the crypt, when we do that, we're able to get some items that help us get into Charlotte's bedroom. Um, also along with an old locket. Um, at this point, we can also take a flower from inside the crypt and leave it at the statue in the graveyard, which is what the last note that we got instructed us to do. And when we go back into the house, there has been another note left for us. It's At this point, it's pretty obvious that Harper is the one that's doing this, um, that's writing these notes yeah. and leaving them as a way to like communicate with us. Um, so we're basically completing Harper's <laughs> instructions. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this most recent note that Harper has left us, it instructs us to go into the tunnels and find out who has been sneaking around in the house. Um, so we go down into the tunnels, we were able to open up, or we go down into the cellar, excuse me, and we're able to open up another tunnel in there. And this actually takes us to like a spiral staircase that leads us behind the wall that's directly outside of the hallway, uh, or it, it looks into the hallway that's directly outside of Charlotte's room. Um, and Looking through the wall, we can see that Wade is jiggling the door handle on Charlotte's room. He's like trying to use a key or something. Um, and he's like, come on, Charlotte, darling, you got to help me out with this. Um, but then he like hears something, he gets spooked and he runs away. We hear something, he drops something metal on the ground. Um, so once he's gone, we can go and pick it up. It is indeed a key. Um, and then we can, we now can like put these parts together and we're able to get the, the door lock working there's another puzzle that we have to do but now finally we can open the door to charlotte's bedroom and we can go in um this room is you would think it's a lot creepier than it is it's still in surprisingly good shape considering how nasty and gross and dilapidated the rest of the house is but 
you know, nobody's been in here since when did she die? In like 1989, I think. Yeah, 89. You're, yes, absolutely right. I remember because that's my sister, when my sister was born. <laughs> oh, okay. So I always think that whenever I see that year. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, so, yes, she, she's been locked up since 89. So it's not as, I guess, gross as the rest of the house. Um, a lot of the furniture is just covered with sheets. There is a really large bed, obviously, like a canopy bed on the left. There's a big fireplace in front of us. To the left of the bed is Charlotte's desk, and then um, there's some more, like, there's a little table and some paintings on the right side of the room. We go over to the desk, and we find Charlotte's journal. Um, we can only read one page of the journal, unfortunately, but she says that she is worried about someone who seems close to slipping off the edge and doing something crazy. She's also trying to find a way to keep herself safe. And she says that her room has been locked down and she's working on getting her papers somewhere safe as well. Very, very interesting. Intriguing, intriguing entry in the diary there. But um, there's also a few other things in the room. There's a puzzle to do with the fireplace. There's some clocks in the fireplace. Um, and then there's also a cryptic note about the tunnels not being safe um, and to make the clock strike 12 if you're not feeling safe. So... Um, I don't think we can do this just yet. Can we? No, I mean, I don't think I did. I think because that's when we uh, have to go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Nancy starts getting woozy again, and we decide to go to bed. Hey, regular Drews. Just jumping in here to say that this episode is getting really long. <laughs> just a little bit. That's okay. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and um, just cut it off here, and we are going to uh, post part two. It's actually already posted for you to go listen to right now. Yep, yeah, so go, go join us over on part two.